Hello, everyone, and welcome to EU-Asia Talks, a podcast about Europe-Asia relations in this rapidly transforming world. I'm Shada Islam, an independent analyst and commentator based in Brussels. It is my pleasure to host these podcasts. Today, we are joined by His Excellency Igor Driesmans, the EU Ambassador to the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, ASEAN, who is based in Jakarta, Indonesia. And we're joined by His Excellency Kung Pok, Deputy Secretary General of ASEAN, who is also based in Jakarta at the ASEAN Secretariat. A very warm welcome to you both. Happy to be here. Hi, Shada. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. It's wonderful to have both of you here. Thank you for finding the time for this podcast. Now, for those of you who are not too familiar with the EU and ASEAN, let me just start with a quick explanation. In a world of nation states, both the European Union and ASEAN stand out as successful examples of regional integration and regional organizations. Their relationship will be 45 years old next year. As regional organizations, the EU and ASEAN do share some similarities, but they are also very different. What they do have in common is a commitment to peace and to prosperity for their citizens. As part of that goal, both are working to create a single economic zone to facilitate cross-border trade and investments. But there are many differences as well. The EU, for example, is working towards a political union. ASEAN is not. What is important is that in a world dominated by great powers, dominated also these days by competition between these great powers, the EU and ASEAN have emerged as important geopolitical actors. And they have long worked together on issues which are important to both. In fact, last year in December, EU and ASEAN foreign ministers agreed to upgrade the relations to a strategic partnership. And EU and ASEAN senior officials met in Brussels just a few weeks ago. So to kick off our conversation, here is a question to both of you gentlemen. Why are the EU and ASEAN so interested in each other in this strategic partnership? And why are they so interested in working with each other? Igor, let's hear from you first. Thank you, Shada. Uh, well, I think you said it very well in the introduction. There are fundamental differences between uh, the EU and ASEAN. And scholars have written libraries full of how we differ in terms of organizational setup, in terms of competencies, or even in terms of the political end goals of, of our organizations. Uh, but we also have some things uh, in common. We are both regional organizations and that link is, is unique. Uh, and it means that we can understand different aspects of our decision-making, uh, maybe a bit better than others. How to deal with diverging interests of member states within our groups, how to define common goals as uh, an organization. It's something that we do every day and we can relate to the other and understand each other maybe better than others. It also means that we can maybe a bit more easily than others see the benefits of working together as a regional bloc. Uh, for example, when we tackle climate change, uh, enhance transport connectivity or deal with uh, illegal fishing. It also means that we share a basic outlook on the world, which is per se multilateral. Uh, we are many multilateral organizations ourselves, so to speak. So we naturally prefer global cooperation over 
global competition. So it's quite natural for us to work uh, with ASEAN. We, we want a strong ASEAN. We see that as fundamentally in our interest to strengthen ASEAN's internal integration through the process of ASEAN community building, for example, but also to strengthen ASEAN's external positioning through the so-called ASEAN centrality, putting ASEAN really at the core of the regional architecture. We think that a strong ASEAN will be better able to manage tensions in the region, but also more widely, and for us to be a like-minded partner in our quest for more multilateralism. Thank you, Igor. So many points made there. Uh, we are both EU and ASEAN, many multilateral organizations, you said, natural partners. And of course, they're an engagement saying that the EU wants a strong ASEAN and believes in ASEAN centrality at the core of the region's architecture. And I was turning to you, Kung Pok, and uh, do you share the same kind of belief in multilateralism in ASEAN? And what is your opinion about the strengths and the weaknesses of the European Union today? Uh, thanks, Shada, for the uh, questions. I think we have this uh, common views that, you know, by working together, we can achieve a lot more. And we can see that, you know, through the uh, many issues that we've been uh, cooperating and working together on, the most recently one, and the one that we are still struggling to contain, uh, it is the uh, pandemic. So uh, I think, you know, through this multilateral platforms, uh, both ASEAN and EU can advance some of the most important uh, issues that we believe that is going to be important, not just, you know, to our present, but also our futures as well. And again, we also have uh, this common views, and I think you nicely put it in your uh, introduction that both of us believe that it's important for EU and ASEAN to work together to advance peace and prosperity, not just here in the region, but also uh, different parts of the uh, world as well. I'd like to also uh, highlight that although we have some differences in terms of our institutional structure, our ways of making decisions and all that, but there's a lot of things that ASEAN member state can benefit from the uh, experience of the EU you know, as the regional bloc that has been advancing so many uh, priorities in the uh, European regions and taking on many, many challenges and so on. Uh, we have to say that you know our partnership with the EU is one of the longest partnerships uh, comparing with other partners. And I can see a lot of potential that we can work together in the future. And I was wondering, uh, for both of you today, you mentioned some of the issues that are important, multilateralism, of course, and peace and prosperity. But now that you have this strategic partnership, EU and ASEAN, where do you think, uh, give me three or four sectors or points or issues where you think you can really work together for the benefit of both regions, but also for the benefit of the global uh, community as well. So let me start with you, Kumpok. So, for example, some of the issues that we are working together to tackle are transboundary issues, for example, climate change, for example, marine plastic uh, debris and so on. So by working together to address this uh, problem, uh, all other countries also benefit from this. Uh, what I would like to also add to this is that although the strategic frame, uh, framework you know, between the EU and ASEAN uh, for the two uh, region, but there's also uh, multiple opportunity for uh, external partners to engage and work together to uh, address all of these problems as well. And I, you know, would like to take this pandemic as an example because people can easily see how difficult it is if we don't work together to tackle it. So I believe that, you know, our through our strategic partnership, we can address all of these uh, big problems uh, when we uh, elevate our partnership to strategic partnership. 
we can see is that many of the uh, cooperation area, you know, really benefit uh, our region, especially our people, to make sure that we can improve the well-being of our people and also uh, at the same time protection of environments and uh, other issues are also taken uh, taken care of uh, as well. Thank you very much. So, Igor, uh, the focus uh, in Kongpok's sort of intervention just now has been on transboundary issues and how EU and ASEAN are working on global challenges. And of course, he's mentioned uh, the pandemic. I was wondering in terms of the activity that you've embarked on, you know, since the strategic partnership, but also all of last year when we were in lockdown, what are the three or four issues, Igor, that you have focused on, that the EU has focused on? Right. Um, I I think you're absolutely uh, right that fighting COVID-19 tops the list of priorities. And it's also true that on this particular issue, we've worked very hard and very closely together, the EU and ASEAN, for the last uh, year and a half. As a matter of fact, already on the 20th of March 2020, that was just nine days after the World Health Organization declared the COVID-19 outbreak a pandemic, our foreign ministers convened a meeting through video conference and decided on, say, the broad lines of what we would uh, do uh, together. And uh, the first thing we did was to bring together a a quite unprecedented package of financial support. Uh, We mobilized over 800 million of uh, euros supporting hospitals, research, and helping the people most in need uh, in uh, ASEAN. Uh, And uh, just uh, last month, when the High Representative visited uh, Jakarta, we launched yet another uh, program, uh, an additional 20 million euro to strengthen regional coordination to respond to the immediate uh, emergencies uh, in Southeast Asia. Uh, The second thing we did was to work on, on vaccines. Uh, I think it's on the top of uh, the mind of many uh, these days. You know that since the start, we uh, made a bet. It's the bet on a multilateral approach. And we have uh, invested heavily in the uh, COVAX facility. Uh, Our contribution today stands uh, to more than 3 billion uh, euro. And also Southeast Asia benefited from that uh, uh, COVAX uh, facility. For example, Indonesia uh, received more than, uh, I think, close to 12 million doses, uh, the, the Philippines over 4 million doses. And the third issue we've been working on is, is through expert exchanges. Uh, we organized, for example, a number of um, expert webinars on vaccines, because one thing is the delivery of the vaccines. The other thing is the practical aspects related to vaccine authorization, production, distribution. What do we do with the uh, new variants, the scaling up of manufacturing uh, capacity, uh, and so on. So with the DSG, we launched a number of uh, uh, so-called expert dialogues on these uh, issues between uh, the European Union uh, and ASEAN. Uh, At the same time, we need to uh, deal with that other emergency uh, of our times, which is uh, climate change. Um, You know, the, the big the commitments the European Commission, the European Union has taken uh, to reduce uh, net emissions by at least 55% by 2030 and for being climate neutral by 2050. But we also know that we can't go it uh, alone and we have a specific interest here uh, in working with, uh, with ASEAN in Southeast Asia. Um, we know that because of the rapid growth in the region, ASEAN is increasingly a, a CO2 emitter. 
but also from a biodiversity point of view, ASEAN is very uh, important. It represents only 3% of the land mass, but hosts 18% of all species uh, worldwide. So uh, we do have an important stake here as uh, European Union, and we see that ASEAN is uh, uh, taking these issues on. Definitely those two, uh, say, crises in, in different ways will be our priority for uh, for this and, and, and the foreseeable future. I was just going to come to you, Kung Pong, please. Let's get your reaction, especially on, on the climate change and the climate deal that Igor has been talking about. Well, thank you. Of course, uh, you know, when it comes to the uh, partnership between ASEAN and EU, it's going beyond, you know, the contribution of vaccine. And I believe that in the near future, we will, we will also have a lot more to do together when the establishment of the ASEAN Center for Public Health Emergency and uh, emerging diseases uh, being established. Although we are now fighting uh, COVID-19, uh, there are still a lot of things that we have to also do. So and I have to thank you know, the EU for, 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 for the support in those areas. For example, receive uh, millions of uh, euro you know, for the project that are uh, related to pitland management and also uh, biodiversity conservation and so on. And uh, marine plastic uh, debris is also uh, another issue that is, you know, uh, uh, receiving a lot of support from, from the EU, not just in terms of financial resources, but also technical uh, supports as well. I'd like to also share with everyone here is that by the end of this year, we are going to have the first uh, state of climate change report. And in that report, we are going to have new uh, information and knowledge, what's going on, the status of the climate change in the uh, region, what are the gaps, what are the things that we need to do more. And I'm also happy that the ASEAN member state are also committed to put forward some ambitious target uh, that they want to achieve in the uh, coming years. Again, you know, addressing the uh, issue of climate change is not a small task. It requires uh, close collaboration among the ASEAN member state, but also with external partners as well, because these are not, you know, problems that are unique to the uh, ASEAN region. So as a, as a quick follow-up, and it's a question that has been on, on the EU-ASEAN agenda and has created a little bit of friction, if I could say, an acrimony between the two sides. And that's the question of uh, climate change, but also the mm. impact on palm oil exports from mm. Indonesia and Malaysia. And I just want to get a very quick reaction from both of you on how this is being solved and whether this is going to be uh, a question that will continue to be on your, on your table for some uh, time to come. Igor, let's get your reaction first. Uh, well, very uh, briefly, I'm, I'm happy that uh, we've uh, finally been able to set up a joint working group between the EU and uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, basically the interested uh, ASEAN uh, member states, so that our experts can uh, talk to each other. Uh, and I think that was uh, a long-awaited uh, conversation was uh, very much needed. Um, so I, I think at the same time, there is a, a case ongoing in uh, the uh, WTO court, which is the other place where uh, this belongs when there is a, a trade uh, dispute uh, settlement. Uh, so it's difficult for me to comment when a legal proceeding uh, is ongoing, but let me just say uh, one, one thing, that is that uh, imports from Indonesia and Malaysia to the European market have actually increased over the last uh, two, three years. That's just one thing I'd like to, uh, like to mention. Okay, let's get to Kung Pong. Do you have, have something to add to this? Through dialogue, we can, you know, at least uh, find some common grounds that we can agree on, at least the ways on how to solve this problem, because it's going to be uh, in the benefits of both sides if we manage, you know, to address these uh, issues uh, uh, 
you know, and uh, get it done as soon as possible. Uh, again, um, I, I, I want to, you know, put this in a broader perspective, uh, especially when it comes to the new uh, newly uh, adopted uh, policies in, in, in the EU, for example, when it comes to food safety or security or when it comes to new regulations or, or, or rules on uh, green construction or sustainable consumption productions and all that. I think going forward, it's uh, going to be uh, extremely uh, useful if uh, ASEAN and EU, you know, can set up a numbers of platform where our expert, you know, can sit down and understand all of this rule regulations, new policies and so on, so that both sides can prepare for all of this, you know, expected changes uh, in the near future. And that would help in terms of uh, smoothing things out. I'm not saying that it's it's an easy topic. It's going to be difficult. It involves multiple agencies, but as long as we have the commitment to talk and thought things out, there's a chance that we can, you know, uh, fix the problems and uh, move forward. You know, because we have so many other uh, major issues that we have to work together on. So let's move to those other major issues that you have to work on. And there is, of course, this challenge of governance, and it's a common uh, and shared challenge in both ASEAN and the EU. Myanmar, one of ASEAN's members, is obviously one example which is causing concern across the world. And here in Europe as well, Igor, of course, the European Commission has been taking legal action against Hungary and Poland on violations of rule of law uh, and, and, and also the position of judges, independence of the judiciary, major issues here in Europe as well. So how difficult is it for both the EU and ASEAN to manage this diversity among its member states and to make sure that countries stay in line with the commitments on rights and values that they've made when they join the a European Union or when they join ASEAN? Igor. Uh, well, equality and uh, respect for dignity, human rights are actually enshrined in the treaty in Article 2 uh, of our European Union Treaty. And it's up to uh, the European Commission to ensure that these values are uh, uh, respected. Uh, and you've mentioned some of the uh, legal proceedings, actually infringement proceedings that the Commission has launched against uh, two member states to ensure that uh, the protection of uh, fundamental rights and equality, for example, are uh, respected. We also issued a rule of law uh, report uh, recently, which uh, uh, identifies uh, some uh, challenges. Um, now, I, I wouldn't exactly compare this uh, with uh, the situation in, in Myanmar, because there basically we see that the military uh, uh, junta continues a brutal repression and killings. Uh, and we see this illegal overthrowing of the democratically elected government of Myanmar as a, as a, a very unfortunate setback to the democratic evolution and development in, in, in the country with the risk of spillover to the wider uh, region, to, the, to ASEAN as a region. We, we think that we need an inclusive uh, solution to the uh, crisis, taking into account uh, the will of the people to make sure that we break this uh, cycle uh, uh, and we get back to the part of democratic uh, transition and sustainable uh, uh, development. So we hope the special envoy of ASEAN is appointed quickly and can get to work uh, very quickly. At the same time, we need to address the humanitarian crisis and there are two, uh, we're more than ready to work uh, hand in hand with uh, ASEAN. 
Thank you very much, Igor. So, Kungpok, what, what is ASEAN actually doing in terms of what we see happening in Myanmar, and which, as I said, and Igor has said, is causing concern not just in the region, but across the world? When it comes to the respect for human rights or democratic values, I think uh, ASEAN and EU uh, have the same uh, view. Uh, and uh, perhaps, you know, I just go back to the comment that you made earlier in your introductions that EU and ASEAN are different in some way, and especially when it comes to, you know, uh, addressing some of the problems that are happening in our region. Of course, when it comes to improving governance, I think that we have common goal. We believe that, you know, uh, having good governance in place is good for all the uh, member states. And that is some things that, you know, member states are uh, uh, working uh, together uh, to uh, improve it. Uh, of course, um, you know, uh, the situation uh, in Myanmar has been uh, receiving uh, a lot of attention from uh, ASEAN member state and also uh, countries outside the regions as well. And that's why uh, back in April, you know, our leaders came together, they discussed about this issue. What I have to uh, add to this is that we may need a bit of patience on, you know, how things are going to be done in the coming months and, 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 and year, if I, you know, can put it that way, uh, so that we can allow the mechanisms that we now have, you know, within the uh, region to work and to find ways on how we can support all the uh, member states to address this problem. So one of the questions that's really been on the EU-ASEAN agenda for some time is the possible conclusion of an EU-ASEAN free trade agreement. And now that we have this EU-ASEAN comprehensive air transport agreement, do you think that sort of sets the stage and makes an FTA between EU and ASEAN more of a possibility? Do you think this is going to happen? I think the short answer is that I hope so. Uh, and the longer answer is that, yes, we have a keen interest here uh, in the region. Uh, in improving trade and business opportunities. We know that uh, ASEAN will become the fourth largest economy by 2030. We know that its middle class will double uh, by uh, the same time, and this offers a lot of trade and business opportunities uh, for uh, our companies and opportunities that we want to seize. Uh, we have concluded uh, two agreements, which are actually in force with Southeast Asian countries, that is with uh, uh, Singapore and Vietnam, and we're negotiating intensely with uh, Indonesia. Uh, and with, we hope that this will give us momentum to enhance the region-to-region -region, uh, engagement and lead to a region-to-region uh, -region, uh, trade uh, agreement. But just a word on Qatar, the Comprehensive Air Transport uh, Agreement, because I'd like to just emphasize how important this uh, agreement is. It's the first region-to-region -region aviation agreement and the biggest agreement of its kind ever negotiated uh, by the EU, uh, binding together 37 states and over a billion people. So. Uh, it covers issues like market access, but also safety, security, air traffic management, and so on and so forth. So uh, this is very good news, I think, for not just for EU and ASEAN, our airlines and our consumers, but for the world as a whole. Thank you very much, Igor. So Kumpok, of course, an EU-ASEAN FTA would be about trade, but the EU is more than just a big open uh, market, it's also regulatory power. And I was wondering to what extent that is an important issue uh, when you look at the EU as a trade and economic partner. We can see that there's a lot of, you know, company coming from uh, European uh, region. Uh, 
uh, having their uh, companies uh, set up in the regions. And some of those companies are also uh, investing heavily in sophisticated part of the economy. So uh, I think the externality from all of this uh, partnership and cooperation will be, you know, uh, uh, significant in terms of uh, enabling the uh, local industry to uh, learn from all of this and to catch up. Uh, again, uh, when it comes to the uh, you know uh, specific provisions of the uh, agreement that we are going to uh, sign, uh, there will be uh, a numbers of issues in terms of you know things that are related to environment, things that are related to uh, safety, things that are related to the rise of workers and all that. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, when it comes to all of this, you know, specific provisions and regulations, I hope that, you know, uh, after, not, not just in terms of uh, uh, discussing and agreeing on the uh, uh, regulation provisions uh, themselves, but also, you know, after the uh, FTA uh, uh, becomes uh, in effect, and then there should be, you know, ongoing uh, consultation, capacity building, and so on, so that member state, you know, can really uh, benefit from this uh, agreement. Thank you very much, Hung Park. So let's move to geopolitics. And there is a big elephant in the room, uh, and that's the ongoing US-China geopolitical competition, which is impacting on both Europe and on Asia. So most policymakers in both regions have said they do not want to be faced with a binary choice. They do not want to take sides in this competition. So how are the EU and ASEAN tackling this huge challenge, especially as we all know, this rivalry is set to continue for years to come. Igor. You're right. Every day we see evidence of deepening tensions between the United States and uh, uh, China. Uh, we see advocates for uh, decoupling uh, uh, both in Washington uh, and uh, Beijing. And I think the positionings there too are hardening. And I think it's fair to say that that kind of strategic uh, rivalry will be uh, the dominant organizing uh, principle for global politics in the foreseeable future. Um, but in that context, we as EU, we've always said we need to hold our nerves and frame our own European Union uh, approach. Um, when it comes to uh, uh, China, we see uh, China be, uh, becoming increasingly assertive, some say aggressive in some parts of the world. We have a long uh, list of issues we disagree on, uh, values, trade, you name it. But we also have a number of issues where uh, we work uh, uh, with China uh, climate change, some issues of, of global uh, uh, politics. So we want to follow our, our uh, own approach based on our uh, own values and, and uh, interests, which does not mean that we are per se uh, equidistant between uh, from the US and, and China. Uh, we have a long history we share with uh, the United States. Uh, I think about uh, World War II. Uh, we have kind of a, a, a similar uh, organized uh, political systems, um, uh, but clearly what, what, is, what should be our point of departure is the EU's interest and uh, uh, values. And in a way, ASEAN also is determining uh, its uh, uh, future, setting the course based on its own interest uh, uh, and uh, uh, values, and as you said, uh, are not uh, uh, very keen to choose between uh, uh, either uh, of them. There is now uh, a lot of discussion within the region 
about uh, who might uh, deserve the title of comprehensive strategic uh, partner. Uh, we have not entered the, that uh, race, uh, but I would just invite everybody to look at some of the statistics. That is that uh, we are uh, by far the largest development partner. We have a very wide engagement with 20 dedicated specialized dialogues from high-speed computing to construction standards. Uh, we still have the largest uh, uh, trade stock uh, and uh, we are uh, an increasing also security and defense uh, partner. So uh, I think sometimes it's, it's, we know we're not always the best when it comes to communication. That's just why I put it out there, shout out, <laughs> uh, for everybody to visit uh, 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 our websites and to just check the immense variety and the you know, comprehensive nature of that uh, partnership that we have and which, uh, uh, which bodes well for the future. And I'd like to turn to Kung Pok actually to talk about ASEAN centrality as well. Some fear that this competition, the strategic competition and rivalry between US and China is actually impacting negatively on ASEAN centrality. So in response to what Igor has said about the EU uh, deciding to take a third way, in a sense, its own way, its own strategic route, uh, is ASEAN doing the same thing? Well, you know, uh, I know that you've heard this uh, a lot, uh, you know, that we don't want to choose size and shouldn't be this binary, you know, decision, whether it's the US or China. And I would like to say it again, that we don't want to choose side. And uh, everyone is our partner. And that is, you know, the uh, fundamental belief that all of the ASEAN member states share prosperity. Of course, the competition between the US and China will have uh, uh, impact not just you know, on ASEAN region, but also many other parts of the world. There's this butterfly effect, right? <laughs> What's going on uh, between the two countries, we have uh, a lot of um, you know, uh, impacts on, on other countries as well. But what we believe is that there's always you know, uh, areas that we can work together and we hope that ASEAN continue to play that role. So we, we still believe that ASEAN continue to provide that platform uh, so that all the uh, major partners can come together and discuss those uh, difficult issues. But of course, we cannot you know, just uh, sim simply wish away all of these problems, right? I mean, uh, it's not going to be easy you know, when you have the two big power you know, having so many different uh, uh, you know, uh, areas that they, they can't agree on. But then, and hopefully, you know, this could be uh, some things that would contribute to the overall, you know, uh, improvement of the geopolitical competition. Uh, although I don't think that it's going to be some things that we can uh, address in the short term, uh, but at least we can be the enabler in terms of, you know, helping the two countries to build confidence and trust and get, to, and get together to work on some of the toughest uh, challenges that the world is facing at the moment. Thank you very much, Kung Pak, for your final words on this trust and confidence and also the importance of consultation in a very, very volatile world where, you know, events are moving very fast and everyone is concerned about US and Chinese geopolitical competition, which is casting quite a dark shadow also on our prospects for working on climate change, but also the economic recovery and fighting the pandemic. Igor, let me turn to you for your final words on this extraordinary relationship with its ups and downs, but now in a, in a phase where I think we are having a more mature dialogue and where when there are dis disagreements, uh, the relationship doesn't come to a standstill, it moves on. 
and consultations and informal discussions have continued despite the pandemic and the lockdowns we've lived in. And I've seen also um, for both of you that, of course, when we talk about the Indo-Pacific, uh, whether it's ASEAN or the EU, the focus is on having an open and inclusive uh, Indo-Pacific where all countries can partner with each other on issues that are of common interest. So Igor, your final word, looking ahead to this very exciting period actually of EU-ASEAN conversations, but also a world which, as I said in the beginning, is changing fast and is very, very unpredictable. Two main things that I'd like to mention, which we have in common between the EU and ASEAN, that is that we both support ASEAN centrality, uh, we are a staunch supporter of ASEAN uh, centrality. And secondly, we both uh, uh, are in favor of respect by all of the rules-based international order and of uh, international law. And I think these are two uh, principles that we will also see in the upcoming Indo-Pacific uh, uh, strategy. But uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, EU and ASEAN have grown more mature. I think individual issues, be it palm oil, be it uh, Myanmar, uh, do no longer hold back uh, our uh, uh, partnership. So I, I think uh, the future the future looks uh, rather bright for EU and ASEAN, I, I would think. And we also hope that next year we can have a first summit between the EU and ASEAN, uh, which would be a concrete way of uh, celebrating our strategic partnership, but also the 45th anniversary of our dialogue partnership. So I am, I'm, I'm hopeful despite uh, all the challenges uh, that we live in. Thank you very much both. We've been talking to His Excellency Igor Driesmans, the EU Ambassador to the Association of Southeast Asian Nations ASEAN based in Jakarta. And I've also been talking to His Excellency Kung Pok, Deputy Secretary General of ASEAN, also based in Jakarta at the ASEAN Secretariat. Thank you gentlemen both for a very honest and frank and informative conversation. I'll be talking to you again in the near future. Good luck and stay safe and stay healthy. Bye-bye.